1: Welcome to A Few Things, where we give our greatest discoveries the podcast they deserve. I'm Claire
2: Mazur. And I'm Erica Cerullo. This show is brought to you by Ofakind. Find out more and sign up for our newsletter at Ofakind.com. Buy our book, Workwife. And, you know, if you feel like it, leave us a voicemail. Phone number is 833 kind. You did a new spin on the tune that time, it was like the acoustic version. Oh, you think so. Yeah, like it was the coffee just like shop a, vibes. Yeah, it was just, just like, like a our voice slow down. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's like when Mark Ronson does Britney Spears songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, yeah, leave us a voicemail, especially
1: questions. I I, I, like, to, the too. I like the comments. I like that. I love the comments, but I was very inspired by the most recent episode of Call Your Girlfriend where they were like, oh, if you guys could just <laughs> give us some prompts. And I was like, yeah, we should do that, too. We should. <laughs>
2: yeah. Give us some prompts.
1: Um, so the other day we saw a play together um, and you showed up wearing the cutest dress. And thank you. I know. No. I don't want to say mean things about the professionals who we hire to. No, they're wonderful. But I honestly thought you looked better in it than the models, and I was just like, "Wow, you're really selling me that dress." Erica looks better than the models. Cerulo, I I that's right. I
2: will go buy now. It was
1: our PC short sleeve Oxford, which it was shocking that I hadn't already bought it because
2: it's breastfeeding friendly. It buttons all the way down. And and to be fair, you're using breastfeeding friendly as an excuse to to buy buy any pretty much, yeah, pretty much everything. Everything, like even shoes. Yeah, (laughs) like (laughs) like, these shoes are great for carrying a breast pump. That's right. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah, more or less. Yeah. Um, I've been wearing this dress a lot. I wore it to that play. Mm-hmm. I wore it when we went um, on our uh, on our book tour stops in Chicago and Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, you, I also feel like it travels. But it's the kind of thing that's not going to wrinkle. Because it's crinkly. It's yeah. just like crinkly cotton fabric. And here's what I, here's the news I have for you. I Tell washed me. the thing yeah. last night. Um, uh-huh. and Did you dry it? No, I hung it dry because okay. that's what the instructions okay. that I definitely edited myself yep. <laughs> say to okay. do. Um and it's hanging in my shower right now and it looks great. Good. Um, like it washed up beautifully, which, you know, is always, you never know. You never I was going to say, I do
1: feel like I've been having a lot of issues lately with clothes just only looking good before I wash them. And yeah. that's a huge win. this one is not,
2: this one is not. That's and great. And so I think that's a huge win. That is um, a huge win. Anyway, it's 10% off with the code a few things, the PC short sleeve um, shirt dress. Comes in navy and like a rust color. Yeah. You got the navy, so I, I got I'm going to have to get yeah. the rust. Listen, I called for stibs basically. You did. You did. Um... Something we've talked about a little bit and have Mm -hmm. never, never, like, I just, something that frustrates me and and that I'm wasting brain space on, like, in the same way that I waste brain space on why doesn't Google have tabbed documents um, is why are text messages and Instagram DMs, which are are inboxes, Mm -hmm. not treated like an email inbox? Why can I not mark things as unread? Why can I not file things in some way? Because right now... I'm just dealing with this flow I that know. I can't control. I, you and everybody else, and I'm exactly. quite certain. I am that, not alone in
1: this. No, problem. I like I truly believe in my like deep deep down in my core that somebody's about to solve this because we've reached a a new sort of phase of all of this, and it was mostly spurred on well part of it was spurred on by the fact that you can now text from your computer which is yes. a wonderful beautiful thing thank goodness I'm um, thrilled about it but it just but means it that people communicate in a totally yeah. different way and it means that like there's no and and what that has precipitated is that text is no longer the form of conversation where you feel compelled to answer right away yeah but then it becomes really easy to lose a conversation and like I have a long distance friend my one of my closest friends Carrie, and we communicate primarily over text but we 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 will sometimes both go a couple of days between answering and then and then that can lead to like these really You'll long lose, gaps or because you, you lose, lose a you Forget about yeah. it. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah, something yeah. else happens and it's like you've started all over. And And same with the group texts that I have with, you know, uh, also long distance friends from home where that used to be a group email thread. And now it's a group text and it's taken on a very different sort of just dynamic. And no one is solving for this. Yeah.
2: Well, and even just logistically, like I'll be sitting in a meeting, I'll get a text from a friend Mm -hmm. asking if I can make plans on Thursday or whatever. And I see the text. Yeah. And then what am I supposed to do? Write it on my to-do list to respond? That feels so dumb. I end up doing, I mean... Or like... Or what, you know, or yeah. like f- hoping that I remember two hours later when I'm back at a computer to respond. Like what? I, it just doesn't feel realistic.
1: Oddly, something about maternity leave made forced me to become like really micro in my to-do list making. So I would write down, like, cut my nails just yeah. because I yeah, knew yeah, I yeah, would yeah, another... yeah, yeah. And, and it. And I did start putting, like, respond to text, respond to DM, stuff like that well, on I mean, my to-do I, list.
2: I don't mind. Listen, I like a to-do yeah. list. I like crossing things off. I yeah. have no problem, like, in general No, but with it's this. not. That's not how you want to be dealing with your inbox. Exactly. I just want my inbox to be something that can sort of manage itself a little bit more than it can right now when it comes to text and Instagram DM. Well, and, and
1: think... the Instagram DM not being available on a desktop is torture because people really have, even close friends, like who i would text who i would facetime with will sometimes carry on very sort of real-time conversations with me in the instagram dm box and i i don't have instagram alerts turned on because that would no, it's
2: too much a nightmare
1: and so that is really hard to manage if i'm not like able to go back and look at it on a desktop it's it's a pain. If
2: anybody has any answers to this question, some
1: some VC is funding a bunch of white bros right now. I'm sure who are solving <laughs> the problem, I'm
2: attempting to. But then they're only going to solve it for like bros. Basically, they're it'll not going to solve Reddit, it. For, it'll be your Reddit
1: inbox exactly, before they actually
2: solve exactly, the Instagram It's just like inbox. not gonna. It's not gonna be actually genuinely. Does useful. Does Reddit us. have an inbox? I don't, I don't think know. so. But it'll be like how to manage the people's responses to your Reddit threads. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly um, right. Yeah. right. It'll start there, and until then someone eventually it'll it. be useful yeah. to you and I. That's um, right. No no, it's,
1: it's, it's a serious epidemic. Epidemic. I don't know how to solve it. It's really hard to if manage. If anybody has
2: tips or tricks, that's 833 of a kind. It's also,
1: this is also my public apology to all my friends whose text messages I haven't responded <laughs> to in a while. It's not because I don't care. It's because I saw it while I was like changing a diaper and then forgot about it. it you saw it and then life happened. Yes. I will say the Apple Watch it helps a little bit because you can read the text on your Apple Watch, but it'll stay unread on your phone.
2: But you didn't even see my text the other day about hash browns until well, like three days later. Well, yeah, late. that's true. That was an airport situation. Yeah, yeah. So no, I that's mean, true. important texts and are honestly, being missed. I
1: felt a lot of regret when I saw it we were in the <laughs> airport and I we went through security separately. And I was like, "Do you want to get breakfast?" And Erica said yes. And a McDonald's hash brown doesn't sound that bad to me. And I never saw it. And we ended up just going and getting a bad breakfast taco. And yes, there is such a thing as a bad breakfast taco. It's, I didn't uh, think it's, it existed. It's
2: remarkable. Who would have known? And it looked so good on the menu. It you wouldn't believe so how good. good it looked on the menu versus it's like the the things pin, people post about like my Pinterest version, my right. version. It That's was like right. that
1: bad. It was so upsetting. And then five days later, I saw her text that what she really wanted was a hash brown from McDonald's. And I was like, well, damn. <laughs> I wish I could go back in time. See, this is a problem. Let's bring on our guests. Let's do it. We are so excited about our next guest. We have LaTanya Yvette, a native New Yorker and founder of the site LaTanya Yvette, a lifestyle blog with a focus on family, style, design, culture, womanhood, and community. Um, started her career as a stylist, is now has a new book out called Woman of Color that I just read this weekend, and I'm so excited about. It is Yay. wonderful.
3: Congratulations. Thank you. I'm so excited you read it. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's really good. Can you tell us
2: about how, what what's the story? How'd you get here?
3: Oh, my gosh. (laughs) You're like, well, this could be three hours. Um, So right now I'm like really in book mode. Yeah, totally. I say how I got to be a uh, sort of an author now, which is like a whole new title. I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, totally. Um, You know, I started out as a stylist, uh, but at the same time I was in college for writing and literature and I got pregnant. Mm -hmm. And for me, I was in college and I was like, okay, I'm going to be a magazine writer. I was Mm -hmm. like, this is just what I'm going to do. And around that time, everyone was... All the magazines were kind of dropping out. What year was this? That was like 2010, 2011. Yeah. Yeah. So there were like no jobs. Yeah. Yep. And I had a professor look at me and was like, what are you going to (laughs) do? You have a baby. Like, what are you going to do? And um, I went back after my daughter was born and continue going to school did really well but it was just too much like it didn't make any sense there yeah, were no yeah, yeah. it wasn't the right time for that it wasn't the right time but, yeah. you know right time for it and i needed something tangible um, and yeah. um so i dropped out started the blog and my my husband at the time was like you know you're always in the street with our daughter you're always mm-hmm. going in you know, out and about i was 21 and we were in bushwick and it kind of came from there it's my like love of writing, but also my style experience and um, this new role as a mother. And, you know, the blog has been going now for eight years, seven, no, seven and a half years, almost eight years. That's amazing. Yeah. And then the book came out like, you know, came about like three years later, like three years ago, you know, yeah, it yeah, started yeah. with an idea. And what was the idea? The idea was that, you know, someone just sat me down at a coffee shop and was like, you have a story and I know you have a story, you're not telling it all and i was like you're right but i don't <laughs> have the space for it yeah so it it was also realizing that the blog was not the space and so i to had to fully tell your story to really tell my story yeah, yeah. and it's funny cuz most people are surprised that the book is a memoir yeah. right and that but it has lifestyle components to it but it's uh, it has memoir essays um and for me it was like you know a blog was just one one layer one surface and yeah, so yeah. um it was really nice to be able to say, hey, I'm a writer and mm-hmm. like I've been writing, but also that there's so much more to me and to all women that people don't get to know or don't see. And, you know, and maybe we can all connect those things. What are
2: the parts of you and your experience that you wanted to convey in the book that you couldn't take on in the blog?
3: Um, definitely like my childhood experience. You know, I think a lot of people, you know, a blog is such a privileged space too mm-hmm. to have and um I've been fortunate enough to, like, make a living and provide for my family. and But a lot of times those things are just, like okay, well, that, I don't know, people just think that you were kind of handed that or there was a ticket yeah. or you like- They're not getting a ton of context. They're not getting a ton of context. And and it's also a very white space, yeah. right? And Which like, is something you, you talk about in the book. 100%, yeah. yeah. So even having, you know, being a, a black woman and having a space and also having it be popular in its own in its own right, like, I, you know, I, it, it's funny because I also felt at the same time as I was being- Honest in the block, I wasn't allowed to be myself, and that is part of being a black woman in a white space that is um that has its own sort of structures and, and rules and so the book has allowed me for telling that story and and also sharing with white readers and you know other other black women like you know your story can be powerful and joyful, but also there's so much more to the story and so much more to people that we don't know. How do you think the fact that you, you know, started
1: a blog in a space where you're saying, you know, it's mostly white women, how do you think that shaped the way that you think about what your blog consists of?
3: Oh my gosh, it's in everything. Because the thing is, you know, at the same time, there, I also have a lot of white readers yeah. and that's because black women, like especially mothers are working full time and not having a, you know, they not to say that white women aren't, but the statistics, I like these women are like juggling a lot. And so they don't have the time to read. They don't have the time to sort of intake all this information. They don't have the time to like click on something and buy something that I'm, I'm telling them to buy. um, So, you know, it, it has, I'm so aware of who the space and who's reading and the writing was often shaped sort of around around that awareness. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, you know, race relations and things like that have come up more in the past like three years. And so even though I would allude to certain things, I wasn't I didn't have the room to really speak about certain things. Do you feel like the book gave you more room for that? 100%. Like, yeah, now I just can't even hide certain like you're not allowed to um uh, hide certain issues you know and so the book allowed for me to like you know to continue these conversations and so i feel like it was even though it was a, a space to share it also was a stepping stone to con- to continue sharing certain things that are now important like that are, have always been really important to me mm-hmm. but that i didn't have the space to
2: um, were there things that you wanted to work into the book, but you were like, "God, that's just going to be such a hard thing to talk about"? Or what, were the, oh my hard, God, what yes. were the things that were tough to tackle? Oh
3: my gosh, there's just so much I don't talk about, and that's the funny thing too. People are just like, "Oh, you know, you, you share so much, right? Because you're so you do put open. yourself out there, mm-hmm. in yeah." So but many I'm capacities. also very boundaryed, yeah. yeah. And yeah. like people, yeah. people yeah. think that the idea that these two things don't exist, yeah, yeah. Totally. They they cannot, people exactly, think they're getting the full picture, they're but not. Of course oh they're my not. gosh, they're yeah. not. You know, there's so many stories I didn't share, like so many stories I didn't share. So many things like, I like was going through at the time that will never find their way into a book, and and for me, it's just about. Again, being boundary. I always say like the book was written from like um, also when I write like about motherhood, I'm writing as a mother, right? Mm-hmm. Not I'm not I'm not sharing my kids stories. Right. And so there's also so many boundaries that people cannot clearly see. Yeah. But that exist within mm-hmm. being a storyteller and being a writer and being a, a woman. And so um, there's just so much that will never be in print ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Never.
0: What are, some, <laughs> what
3: are some of the things you did decide to include in the book? Um, I the, the the sort of the line for me was things that I've made it to the other side of. Uh-huh. For sure. That was so, sort of a, a, a marker.
1: One that I thought was really interesting was when you talk about vitiligo. Yep. Yes. Um and I yes. thought, you know, and there's I, a whole chapter or exactly. like a whole section. Yeah. 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 And can you can you explain for people
3: who don't know what that what vitiligo is and sort of how it has shaped you? Yeah. So I started getting um like sort of signs of vitiligo when I was like seven, six, mm-hmm. seven. Um, and that's really young. So vitiligo is just, it's a skin condition, which actually is an autoimmune disorder. Um, when the sort of the melanin, which mm-hmm. of all things being a black woman, you get white patches and it's you no longer there. You certain yeah, patches yeah, of your exactly, skin. exactly, yeah. exactly. And for some people it progresses. In some very rare cases, it, uh, it it's kind of falls back or in some, it just stays the same and more focal. Um, and so to kind of have that happen around seven and eight, and I think about my daughter, like, who is, like, in this prime stage of growing up and seeing herself in the mirror. And, like, and I kind of think about myself and, like, where I was. It was pretty intense. Mm -hmm. And um, so it started out, like, you know, like a rash around Mm -hmm. my mouth. Mm -hmm. And the rash started, you know, turning and kind of peeling to be white. And then it was with my eyes and under my eyes, like, white patches under my eyes and then white patches on my elbows and white patches on my knuckles, white patches on my knees. And every sort of um sort of body part but it was even it was equivalent to each side was would have white patches um and it was funny because in the book i said it was kind of like being erased it's Mm -hmm. it's it's this weird thing if you're a brown girl and you're young and i'm one of five so it's there's a lot of brown around me right it it, it was very a really odd a really odd experience and it totally has so much to do you know like not to be like, I'm only 29, but I'm yeah. only 29. Yeah. And so I I didn't, it didn't start to decrease until I was like 18.
0: Okay.
3: So a lot of my experiences now as, as a young woman, even though people don't see it, because mm-hmm. it's But your coming of age experience right? was exactly. shaped. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, I'm still, you know, that I'm like, I will forever be that, that, that young girl and that young woman and the way that I see beauty. And then the next layer was having children. So right. each experience has been its, its own weird uh, sort of thing. Absolutely. Um can we talk a little bit about styling and yes. how you got into that and your per- how your personal style has developed? Yes. Um you know, I my grandmother was like a, sort of my style maven guru whatever like she wore suits and like bow ties and vests and ties and hats and had, like, golden curly hair and wore espadrilles every day and vintage purses. So I grew up, like, and she had, like, another kitchen that was, like, a closet. Amazing. Like, rows and, like, shoes up on the wall. This is, like, Brooklyn in the 90s in a real world apartment. Yeah. So, like, that's what I grew up around. But then on the flip side, too, I had this single mother who got dressed every single morning and put lipstick on and, like, looked amazing no matter how insane it was to like go to work um so my style kind of was shaped with these women and watching them and and being passed down things from their own sort of stories and lives and so um it's kind of it's kind of funny to be like you know my own person now but to have that person be so much of what my grandmother and my mother was growing up um and my own style too is just pretty funky and eclectic, I think, and it, it shifts with the wind mm-hmm. <laughs> and the way I'm feeling. So you know, it just changes all the time. <laughs> yeah, totally,
2: a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, where do you look for your own style influences? What shapes you besides obviously your mom and your grandmother?
3: I, I definitely think strangers and yeah. other people. I'm 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 a big People watcher, like I always create stories for like we like strangers and people on the street and like people on the train. I'm like, well, what made her choose those shoes? <laughs> like, I wonder what she picked first, yeah. or like that lip. Color. Like I just am always. They always say like writers are like selling people out, and, <laughs> and it's funny because I've had the same relationship to like styling and writing. I'm like constantly writing a story for someone, That's but also like yeah, yeah, like also styling them. Like yeah. I wonder what made her. What's her like. What was closet look like? Yeah, exactly. You know, like what made where she's going? And like and so I'm constantly inspired by people I do not know all the time. So I'm like really into people's faces. You (laughs) interviewed a number of other women for the book.
1: Can you tell us why you decided to do that and also how you decided to to which women to interview?
3: Yeah, for me it was Sort of like, I'm not the only one that goes through certain things, you know? And so even though in the beginning, I'm like, my story is un- like my story is unique to me, right? Yeah. But we're all connected and we all have stories that um, sort of thread in between all of us. And so it was really important to interview other women who actually, I didn't even know their answers. I already had written the chapters and the mm-hmm. essays. And yeah. then I gave them the questions. Yeah. But I didn't even look back on the essays when given in the questions, and so it was really affirming to see that the, a lot of the answers were ready, especially Lathams, so who's at the mm-hmm. end of the book and she's like, "Joy is your birthright?" Mm-hmm. And I, I wrote that in like kind of the end of the the essay, but she had not known she's not read the chapter. I didn't even like write the questions down with that in mind. Yeah. And so for me, it was really affirming to have these women give answers that, um tied into the chapters and then also to realize that they all like had a similar story and mm. they all put it in their own way and that and i think for me it was sort of being able to connect the community around womanhood and being a woman of color and um how things feel so insular uh. and uh lonely or any experience feels like it's our own and we're kind of going through it but it, it's actually there's many of us and yeah. that was what the sort of the interviews were about is connecting that community and making it really putting it in print were there certain aspects of being a woman of color that you felt you
1: had you knew you had to get in the book
3: i think yeah for sure it's like the misidentifying and mm-hmm. the name I, the first chapter is all about my name but part mm-hmm. of that chapter itself is just misi- people just categorizing you misidentifying mm-hmm. you and um I think a lot of women of color go through that, and and it's not just with the name, right? It's just with like being like, you're not good enough, or you do this, or you're not this, mm-hmm. or and so the 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 book starts out with you know a relationship of, a, a, around like mis, women of color being misidentified mm-hmm. and or categorized. What does that yep. mean to be misidentified? You know it. It means someone putting you in a place that you don't even know that you are in, yeah. or you. Someone telling in. you where you belong. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you're like, wait, what? Like, yeah. what? And you don't even realize it as yeah. it's going on. You know. Well, I thought that was a really interesting part of your interview with
1: Aurora James, the mm-hmm. Brother Valleys designer, because she's Canadian and she yes. talks, and she also lived in Jamaica growing up, and she talks about the different experiences of being you know, and black, and she's half black, half white. Yeah, and she talks mm-hmm. about, you know, being that in Canada, being that in Jamaica, so and then different. moving to the United States. Yeah. And it's a totally different experience. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's someone who's like a, you know, a designer and now her relationship to color. Mm-hmm. is so mm-hmm. woven into like what she puts into her work. Yeah. Right. But also now she's like in Brooklyn and like, she's an older, she's like, a, you know, like a woman. And mm-hmm. like, well, she's older. She's not a young kid. Like how... How is that? That's so interesting How that to shapes me. everyone's how notions. That, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like what, yeah. what does that have to do with her work now? Absolutely. So um, it's just, you know, it's part of it.
2: How has your writing on the blog evolved over time as you've gotten to know your audience and just sort of what you're comfortable putting out into the world?
3: Um, you know, the, the level of comfort changes because my kids are getting older yeah. and my relationship changed yeah. and like, you know, so I change and so my writing has changed along with it. Um, it's, it's funny because also the book changed me and the book made me realize that like, I want to continue, not, I knew going into that I wanted to continue writing, but I think for me, it's just allowed me to create a divide still, like that divide still exists between the blog and between the book and uh, between me and the book and between me and the blog. And there's so many different versions of myself sort of floating around. Um... So you know, I, I, I don't know. It's I'm still figuring it yeah, out. Totally. But it, it's yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it, it's there's still it's still a space of like, it's so new. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. it definitely they're they're just all different spaces and all different versions of me. Totally. How do you think about how to share your
2: kids in these spaces? Yeah.
3: Um, You know, I always say that I'm not sharing my kids. I'm sharing my version of motherhood. I'm not ever sharing Mm -hmm. my children. And that for me, I think is, again, like, I think when I was just saying the other, like, just a minute ago, like, the the border, right? And I said it the other day in, like, a a reading. Someone said, oh, something about, I was like, I'm not sharing my children, right? Mm -hmm. There's a border. And there's a border around language. There's a border around sight. There's a border around experience. There's borders that people that maybe a reader or a follower, someone visually, like they can't see, but yeah. it exists yeah, within. Yeah. And it's all intentional too. Yeah. And it's and I think that's also, there's like this salon I was like, do nothing without intention because like everything is so intentional. Yeah. And so I'm always like, I'm not sharing my children, I'm sharing my experience as a mother. And um, I've had the privilege of becoming a mother at the same time of like growing a career. And so for me, that the, the relationship to that, right? is an ever evolving thing. And it's a story that I'm constantly gonna be telling, but I'm not actually sharing my children. I'm sharing my experience as a mother. And so um, the ways that I share my children, like, well, ways that I sort of express my motherhood in like visual with like my children or whatever, um, it's really intentional. And it's all about just letting people in a window of like what I'm, what I'm seeing and mm. what I'm experiencing and not necessarily like what my children are experiencing yeah. you know what I mean yeah
2: that's interesting i mean i think you know as as so many people are navigating how to share um these parts of their lives you know parenting and and the children that they bring into the world and and raise it does become this interesting conversation that we're having more and more of and i think it's interesting to talk to you about like what that line is for you like what are the
3: things and it's grown yeah totally yeah i've gotten older as the media has changed too like when they were babies it was like oh a photo like you know now i'm like okay now like no. No but
1: yeah. it is an interesting distinction to think about it as like what your sort of perception of like your experience, of all, your experience yeah. of all of this versus yeah. translating what their what experience they're, they're having, having yeah. and yes. I think you know um Watching Joanna Goddard, who's also a friend, um, share this on Cup of Joe, I would say that's probably sort of her approach to not to speak for her, but I have 100%. watched and been like, why am I? Why does this feel comfortable? And I, I haven't been able to articulate it, but I do think what you just said feels sort of the artic, you know, the articulation of what I see people do in a way that feels like we're let in, but it also feels responsible and fair to their children. You're not exactly. speaking for someone and else. Not speaking yeah. for them.
3: They have yeah. a, You know, I always say people are like, oh, like what? What someone said. Like, what do you think? Um, River will think when she's older I'm like hey like River actually we ha- there's so much communication in my household of course, yeah. there's so many conversations River saw the book every single day went through all the pictures and pages and was you know she can read too yeah. so there's oh just my like, gosh. We have like just really a special we, experience yeah, yeah. yeah they're so involved in it and so for me I'm just like you know, it's all pretty intentional and like I think we have to also give women the credit that they're doing the service of yeah. in the history mm-hmm. and that we're not like blindly putting stuff out there. That's right. You know? And so I yeah. think that I think it's important for like other women to know and men too to know that like what they're reading is is thought about and, and there's a lot of intention behind it. A hundred percent. Thank you so much for coming.
1: Thank on. you for having me. Um, we everybody loved should pick having up you. this book. It <laughs> is so
3: wonderful.
1: Thank you. Um, Woman of Color. Yes, Woman of Color. And follow LatanyaYvette.com um, is the yes, blog. exactly. And then on Instagram, LatanyaYvette. Yeah, it's so yeah. easy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's the me. show. This has been a production of Dear Media. You can listen to us wherever podcasts are found, like Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Luminary, all the things. Follow us at Of A Kind on Instagram and Twitter and like our Facebook page. If you have ideas or requests for the show, email them to a few things at Ofakind.com. To advertise in our podcast, that's advertising at Ofakind.com. Our intro music, Butterfield East, is written and performed by the Soulful Singer and we're recording at All Alex, Alex's house.